Well, it's preaching time. Amen. Got your Bibles? You have to have your Bibles when you come to the preaching here because we use it. I've gone places before with my Bible and they never used it. A lot of good preaching, it just didn't have no Bible for it. Amen. But we've got Bible this morning. We're in Proverbs chapter number three. Proverbs chapter number three. Just a quick reminder, everyone involved in music ministry, please be at the Structure and Strengthen meeting this afternoon at 345 over in the choir ready room. And uh, we may actually have it set up in Lane Hall. That might be a little bit more uh, breathing space, breathing room. We need a couple of volunteers to help make sure that gets done. Leave the chairs up in Lane Hall where we can get some air and plenty of room at 345 for the music ministry meeting. And then after the PM service tonight, we will be meeting with all the children's ministry workers. That's nursery, junior church, Sunday school teachers, all that good stuff. If you're involved in children's ministry, please hang around this evening for just a few moments after the evening service. Proverbs chapter three, are you there? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Proverbs. Let's all stand. Let's read a couple of verses, all right? These are some great verses. Some of my favorite verses. I've got a lot of favorite verses in the Bible. These are some of them. Proverbs chapter three. We're gonna read two verses, verse five and six. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I want to preach this morning on a simple thought, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Father, help us now as we turn our hearts and our attention to the scriptures. I know these are familiar verses, but Lord, many times it's the familiar things that's easy to forget, the things that we've heard before that we fail to remember in times of need. I pray that you would Help us as we expound the scriptures. May our hearts be stirred and challenged. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. As I was meditating on these verses and jotting down some thoughts and just the fact that we live in a day and age where nobody seems to know what to believe, who to trust. How many of you have got trust issues? Raise your hand. Less than 15% of Americans trust the media. I have yet to meet any of those 15% that still do, but I guess they're out there somewhere living under a rock. More than four out of five Americans say that the news organizations advocate political viewpoints rather than report the news free of bias. And I read that and I went, no duh. I don't know if there's ever been a time when the news was anything but the news. They ought to just change it and call it the spin cycle because that's pretty much what you get. If they say according to anonymous sources, you can stop right there. Stop right there. But uh, the trust issues with the media is there. According to the polls, only 45% of respondents have confidence that the results of the election will be counted fairly. Only 45% of respondents. Only 44% of respondents trust the results of mail-in voting. That number seemed a bit high to me. 44%. It's funny because I was pretty surprised in the last election, my grandparents voted Democrat, which is weird because before they died, they always voted Republican. (laughs) It's just a joke, relax, I'm not gonna get political. I don't care who you are, that's funny right there. Less than 10% have confidence in Congress. Less than 
percent. Have confidence in Congress. Only 22% have confidence in the Supreme Court. Only 24% have confidence in the FBI. I'd say we got trust issues. In a time when you don't know who to trust, who to believe, I've got good news this morning. You can trust in the Lord. Amen. You can trust in the Lord. This phrase, trust in the Lord, is given 19 times in the Word of God, as in COVID-19. 19 times, trust in the Lord. Just that phrase, there's obviously many more verses that teach that we should trust in the Lord, but just that phrase, trust in the Lord, is in the Bible 19 times. And I'm grateful this morning when I woke up that I didn't know about all these other organizations and all these other bodies and all these other entities, but I woke up this morning knowing that I could trust in the Lord. And if that encouraged me, I know it has to encourage you to know that in 2020, when the whole world's upside down, God is still in control. And in these verses, I wanna just give you five or six simple points from verse number five and six as I just begin to dissect these verses once again and read them and allow God to minister to my heart, I wanna share with you what God helped me with this morning. The phrase, trust in the Lord, write this down. We see the conviction expressed. The conviction expressed. We may not be convinced about a lot of things. We may be on the, on the fence about a lot of subjects and a lot of different things, but you and I can have a conviction this morning that we can trust in the Lord, and by trusting in the Lord, we are expressing not just to each other, not to the world, but to Him that we still trust Him. Can I say it this morning? God wants to be trusted. It's the ultimate insult to God to not trust Him. So much so that the only sin that will send some person, that person to hell is the sin of unbelief. Amen. That's the, everybody still with me? That's the sin that will send you to hell is the sin of unbelief. Faith, trust in the Lord is the crux of the Christian life. It's the core, it's the central theme, the common denominator between all of us in here this morning is our faith in God. And I thought about this, every failure that I encounter in my Christian life can be traced back to unbelief in God or his word in some way, shape, or form. Four times in the scriptures we find the phrase, the just shall live by faith. It's found in Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by his faith. It's found in Romans 1.17. The Bible says, for where therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith, Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. This was, the, this was the scripture that started the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, as he was reading and studying the scriptures, 
discovered this verse and recognized and realized that it was not uh, the keeping of the sacraments, it was not the infant baptism, it was not the paying of indulgences, it was not the worshiping of the Pope, it was not praying through Mary, it was none of those things, but it was that through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he got saved, got gloriously saved. Of course, he tried to change for, uh, from the inside what couldn't be done, but you gotta tip your hat to the effort that he made uh, when he nailed those uh, 95 theses to the door there, and he began what we call the Protestant Reformation, amen. He was one of the original protesters. And what was it that flipped him? What was it that changed his heart? What was it that, 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 that caused him to turn his back on all the false religion? It was the verse, the just shall live by faith. We're not just saved by faith, we're kept by faith and we live by faith. Had a man call me last week as I was riding down the road uh, Brother Isaiah and I were running some errands and a guy called me and he, he said, are you one of those once saved, always saved guys? And I said, yes, I am. And I can tell by the way you just asked me that you're not. And he said, no. I said, I'm so glad you called me. I'm thrilled to know that you called me because I have been trying to find somebody, anybody to show me the verse in the Bible that tells me I can lose my salvation. So could you please help me with that? Could you show me the verse that says once I have eternal life that I can lose eternal life? Can you show me the verse that tells me that once I'm born into the family of God that I'm unborn from the family of God? Can you tell me, please show me? I'm trying to find somebody to help me with that. Kind of got quiet. He said, well, he said in Galatians that you turned away from the gospel to another gospel. I said, he also said in Galatians, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now made perfect by the flesh? I said, if you got saved by faith through grace and you're kept by works, he says, you're foolish if you believe that. I said, I didn't get saved by anything that I did and I'm not staying saved by anything that I've done. I'm safe in the hand of the Father, amen. No man can pluck me out of the Father's hand, include me, seeing how I'm a man, amen. What am I saying? I'm saying faith in God will either make you or break you. Hebrews 11 says this, for without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you and I are living a life of unbelief, doubting God, we are displeasing him. And so trust in the Lord is a conviction that God is trustworthy. And we express that conviction and that belief by putting our faith and trust in him. I'm a bit of a skeptic myself. I don't believe everything that I hear. I don't believe about half of what I see. Never have had a lot of confidence in night depositories at the bank. You may use them all the time, I'm happy for you. I'd rather hand it to them and get the receipt right then. That's just me. I'm gonna tell you how bad I am. I look in the bag at Burger King before I drive off to make sure they put my straw and napkins in there. Now, I don't unwrap my hamburger to make sure they got it right, but I look to make sure they put my straw and my napkins in there and my ketchup, can I get a witness? There have been a few times I drove off, got, got all my stuff out, and then I was up the creek without a paddle, amen. Should have looked. You wonder why I got trust issues. 
I've heard preachers preach stuff. Sounded good. Made me warm and fuzzy on the inside, but it wasn't in the Bible. That's why I tell you, bring your Bible and keep it open when I'm preaching. If I'm ever preaching something and it ain't in the Bible, come to me after the service, I want you to throw a flag. Say, preacher, I love you, but I, we gotta talk about this right here. I want you to bring it to my attention. Because my authority to preach the Bible is only authorized as long as I stay within this word. When I get out from under the umbrella of the word of God, I'm on my own, amen. It's open season on the preacher. But just make sure you know what you're talking about before you pigeonhole me after the service, all right? I wouldn't want to embarrass you too bad. Conviction expressed. Write this down, number two. We see the commitment expected. Look at what he says. Trust in the Lord. Watch this next statement. With all thine heart. That means without a shred of doubt. That means with no reserve, full commitment. Speaking of commitment, I was reminded of the story of William Borden. Some of you may have heard of him. He was the heir to the Borden family fortune. In 1904, he graduated from high school. He was already wealthy. He went to, when he graduated from high school, his family gave him a trip. His parents gave their 16-year-old son a trip around the world. And as he traveled through Asia and the Middle East and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, he wrote home about his desire to be a missionary and his friends expressed his belief that, that William Borden would, as he said, throw his life away as a missionary. But the story tells us that Borden, in response to that, wrote two words in the back of his Bible. No reserves. I like that. No reservations. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying jobs and it's reported that he wrote in the back of his Bible two more words, no retreats. Amen. William Borden went on to do graduate work at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China. And because he was hoping to work with Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. While he was there, he contracted spinal meningitis. And within a month at the age of 25, William Borden was dead. When the news of William Borden's death was cabled back to the United States, the story was carried by almost all of the newspapers, lamenting the loss of such a well-esteemed and influential and wealthy young man with so much promise. But many people regretted his life and his decision to serve the Lord and surrender to missions, but they found his Bible and underneath those Two words, no reserves, and the two words, no retreats. Right before he died, he wrote two more words, no regrets. What an example to us as Christians, what it means to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We got a lot of people that are, that are, that are trying to trust in the Lord but they've got a few caveats. They've got a few disclaimers. They got their fingers crossed. They, they kind of hold back a little bit just in case God gets it wrong. The Christian life is a commitment. You're all in or you're not in. I thought about the illustration of someone parachuting out of a plane. You jump out of a plane. When you jump out of that plane, you've committed except for the one guy I heard about. The drill sergeant kicked him out of the plane and shut the door a few minutes later. 
Oh, he told him, he said, when you, when you jump out of that plane, he said, holler Geronimo and reach your right hand over the shoulder and pull the cord. He said, there'll be some trucks down at the bottom to, at the ground to pick you up. He kicked him out the door. A few minutes later, heard beating on the side of the airplane and the drill sergeant opened the door and the guy was hanging on with his fingernails. He said, what was that Indian's name again? <laughs> I guess there are exceptions, but once you jump out of the plane, that's a commitment. When you say I'm going with God, that's a commitment. We got a lot of people though that's jumped out of the plane, they're still hanging on. What was that you said I gotta do? What was that you said I gotta leave? What was that, what was that about that cross you said I gotta carry? What, what was that, what was you said, what was you said about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Stay with me now. Rich young ruler came to Jesus and wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus found the one thing he couldn't or wouldn't let go of and said, um, sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, and come on, let's go. The Bible said he walked away sorrowful. Why? He couldn't trust in the Lord with all of his heart. There was something holding him back. Can I say this this morning with a smile on my face? There's a lot of Christians today, there's a lot of things holding them back. They call themselves believers, but they really are, be more accurate if they call themselves doubters. Jesus doesn't allow half-hearted disciples. It's with all thine heart or nothing. Feel it get quiet in here? It's called conviction. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. I trust the Lord, preacher, but I, I, I believe God, preacher, but Goats butt. Sheep don't butt. Goats butt. I love the Lord, but I, 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 know, I know God knows best, preacher, but it's killing us. Talking about the commitment that God expects out of his children when it comes to trusting him. I'm moving right along. This is going over like a lead balloon. Huh? Is the Holy Ghost preaching? Write this down. Write this down. Look at the caution extended. The caution extended. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't ask me why. But our tendency is to elevate our own understanding above God's. Our default action is to lean upon our own understanding, which makes no sense to me seeing how little we really understand. I can't speak for all of y'all. I'm speaking for me. They say the older you get, the more wisdom you have. Well, if wisdom is feeling like a dummy all day every day, I'm wise. Because I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being super spiritual or super humble up here this morning. They say the older you get, the more wisdom you're supposed to have. The older I get, the less I know. Amen. Preacher, you ought, they say, people say, come in, preacher, you ought to write a book about this. I say, well, I will as soon as I figure it out. <laughs> preacher, you ought to write a book about child training and raising godly children. I say, well, I will when I raise all my children for God, then I'll think about it. 
You ought to write about this. You ought to write about that. Why don't you? I'll buy it if you write it. Because I don't know. I'm not, being, I'm not being super humble. I'm telling you right now, the longer I'm in this thing, the less I understand. I don't understand people. My good friend Lee Davis said, people are crazier than anybody else. I don't understand people. I just, I, I, I look like a little puppy dog sometimes. I just kind of cock my head and look at them like, what are you doing? I say that a hundred times a day, especially when I'm driving. I'm, I'm going to get me a big old speaker and put it on top of my truck. And it's just going to have a recording. And I just hit the button and it's going to go, what are you doing? That's all it's going to say. What are you doing? I say it a hundred times a day. What's up with the social distancing with cars at the red light? Why are cars part 30 feet apart? What is the deal with that? And there's a turn lane and you can't turn because that car won't scoot up so you can get by. What are you doing? People riding around in their cars by themselves with their windows up and their face mask on. That scares me worse than COVID, man. Those people's got problems. I guess the guy, the DJ on the radio, maybe is gonna infect them. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, I know I'm crazy, but you, somebody needs to tell you you're crazy. What are you doing? Got the face shield and the face mask, rubber gloves in the car with hands at 11 and two. That scares the daylight side of me. That whole 11 o'clock and two o'clock, those people are, they'll kill you. What are you doing? I don't understand people. I don't understand this world. I don't understand anything, anybody. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive, amen? I'm just trying to love my wife and raise my kids and pastor this church and, and get to heaven. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm all in one place. I'm trying to get to heaven alive, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think something has to happen before that. Seriously, though, it makes no sense why we default, our default action is to lean upon our own understanding and we don't have a clue. Right. Right. We've got more confidence, stay with me, we've got more confidence in our confusion. We've got more confidence in our ignorance. We've got more confidence in our limited information than we do the creator of the universe when we lean upon our own understanding. Isaiah 55, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I told you I have a bunch of them. Isaiah 55, verse eight, God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Thank God for that. I'm glad his thoughts are not my thoughts. Sometimes my thoughts are kill them. And God's thoughts are no, don't kill them. Love them, pray for them, amen. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a long way from the heavens to the earth. That's how far the gap is between our understanding and God's. The way we think, what we understand, and the way God operates, there's an eternity between them. And yet we lean on our own understanding rather than on God's. And God is neither compelled to explain or justify his thoughts and his ways. Right. 
Lord, if you'll walk me through this, if you'll let me know how you got to that, well, then, then maybe, no, no, God don't have to do that. Remember in school when you'd figure out the math problem, you'd write the answer and the teacher wouldn't give you full credit because she wanted to see how you got there? I think that's ridiculous. I think that's the stupidest thing ever. But I'm not a math teacher, so forgive me. If you get the answer right, who cares? Amen. As long as you didn't cheat. Lord, if you'll tell me how you got to this conclusion, walk me through this process, let me know how you got there, then maybe you can bring me along. God said, no, this is what I want you to do. That's what you to trust me. Instead of leaning on his omniscience, we lean on our own understanding. How crazy is that? Thinking about a couple of examples in the Bible that came to my mind as I was studying this morning. One of them was in Exodus 3 and 4 when Moses was standing there in the burning bush and God said, take your shoes off your own holy ground. And God said, I've heard the cries of my people. I want to send you to be the deliverer. I want you to bring my people out of Egypt. Take them into Canaan land. And for nearly two chapters, Moses argued with God because apparently God is such a poor judge of character and has such a track record of always picking the wrong people for the job that Moses had to argue with him. Come on now. You say, don't, don't say that like that. Well, that's what you're doing when God nominates you and volunteers you and you argue with him. Right, yeah, right. Talking to me? Lord, you're talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. What about 2 Kings chapter 5? When Naaman went to the man of God, he had leprosy. And he went to, the, went, went to the man of God because his little maid, his wife's little maid said, boy, would to God that my master could go to the prophet, the man of God in Israel. Boy, he could help him with his leprosy. And he got there and, and, and the man of God sent the servant out and said, go over there and dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And Naaman got mad. The Bible says he was wroth. We well, got rivers back home where I came from. We got Abana and was it Parfar or one of those two rivers back where I came from. It's better than this. He got mad, started back home, and the servant said, Master, hang on just a second. If he'd have asked you to do something really difficult, you would have done it. All he's wanting you to do is go over there in that river and dip down seven times. What was Naaman doing? Leaning on his own understanding. Here's what Naaman didn't understand. It had absolutely nothing to do with the Jordan River or the water or even dipping seven times. It was all about just doing what God said. <laughs> See, we, we try to reverse engineer it and it won't work. If I do this and this and this and this, won't this happen? Well, not if that's what God said wasn't gonna happen, that's not what's gonna happen. We try to understand before we trust. And that is an oxymoron. Huh? And I know it's quiet. Because it, you, you can't trust. There's no reason to trust if you understand. <laughs> Come on now. We're trying to figure everything out before we put trust in God, and that's not how it works. Oh, I tell you, I've thought about it. How many of y'all thought about the, the, the example Brother King gave the other day about that faith and bridge. How many of y'all thought about that? My soul, was that awesome or what? He said, our problem is we put too much faith in our faith. Faith is the bridge from us to God. Our faith is only as strong as what it's attached to on the other side. Remember that? 
Some of y'all remember that? Y'all sleep through that? We put our faith in our faith. No, no. Our faith is not, is not what we're putting faith in. Our faith is in God. Getting all excited about the bridge. And you ought to be getting excited about what's on the other side of the bridge. And I don't, I, I'm going to be honest with you. My faith is not all that spectacular. But my God is. Which is why if you've just got faith the size of a mustard seed, that's a little bitty bridge, ain't it? Huh? If you've just got faith the size of a mustard seed, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Lord, I don't understand. Just trust him. When you can't track him, trust him. I've had to trust him before when I couldn't see him, couldn't hear him, I couldn't feel him. Now, I'm thankful that most of my Christian life's not been that way, but it's been that way a few times. I know I've shared this story before, I've shared this illustration before. There's a couple people in here that would be able to verify what I'm about to say. But Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr. said he went for the space of seven years and didn't feel God. Didn't feel him, didn't hear him. Seven years. Pastor in the church. That's a long time. Hmm? I wonder how many of us would still be here seven years from now if we couldn't see or sense or feel or hear God. You think it's tough. That's when your faith is tested. Remember that soldier they talked about in World War II? That Japanese soldier on that island? Still fighting 20 years later, 30 years later, some ridiculous amount of time. And they showed up and said the war's over and he was trying to kill everybody. He said, they told me to fight and ain't nobody that told me to fight told me to stop. Remember that? Hadn't seen anybody. Hadn't heard from headquarters. He's still in the war. Still fighting the war. Before you got a tip, you had somebody that committed. And we got Christians today that can't hardly make it from Sunday to Wednesday night. Can't hardly make it from Sunday to Sunday without falling apart. You want to know why? Leaning to our own understanding. Let me hurry. Number next. Write this down. In all thy ways acknowledge him. We see the condition explained. There are some conditions to how this works. You want to get to the bottom end of verse number Six, you want to get to the back end of verse number six? I do too, but there's some conditions. And here's what it is. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. God doesn't want just a part of you or just a portion of you. He wants you to acknowledge him in all thy ways. Some people are content acknowledging God on Sunday morning until about 1230, 1215. I wonder... Do you acknowledge him in all your ways? By the way, the word acknowledge means to recognize, to consider, and to declare. Do your ways tell the world that you trust in the Lord? Good. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That means before every decision, before everything you do, acknowledge God. What's God want me to do? How does God want me to handle this? What's God, want me, what's God want me to say or not say? 
I know what he wants me to say, but I don't want to say what he wants me to say. That's what I'm talking about. We lean on our own understanding. Be a great day in your Christian life when you learn what I'm fixing to tell you right now. And that is, your first initial desire or inclination or response is probably not the right thing. Because the spiritual thing to do will always hurt the flesh, grieve the flesh, and not set well with the flesh. I'm going to just give you a piece of my mind. I wouldn't do that if I was you. You might need that piece of your mind later. You keep giving it away like that, you're going to be out before it's over with. Let me just tell you what I think. Don't do that. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That's some hard preaching. I'm, Lord's dealing me up here about stuff. Do your ways, declare God. Do you acknowledge him in all of your ways? Or just some of them? Well, God, God's not interested in this. God's only interested in this. No, God's interested in all of it. Let me give you this last point. I can see some of y'all want me to get done. Number five. Number five. We see the confidence expected. Watch this. In all our ways, acknowledge him. That's the conditions. God's explaining to you how to get this done, how, 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 how to have this happen. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Do you want him directing your paths or do you want to direct it? Do you want to drive or do you want him to? Because I've been through that state stage with my teenagers, my kids getting their driver's license. I was preaching that funeral yesterday and I said, unfortunately at funerals, it's the only time most people think about dying. Of course, I think about it all the time when my kids are driving. <laughs> that handle up there, that help me Jesus bar. That's what that's there, help me Jesus. And the brakes on the passenger side floorboard do not work. <laughs> push and push. I'm, I'm exhausted when we get home. I'm trying to help them drive. And I think, how many times do I do that to God? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. And then we put one hand on it. <laughs> I don't know that song. That's all I know of it. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it goes. It just felt appropriate right there. Lord, I want you to take the wheel. Let me help you with that, Lord. I don't want to go. No, 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 I don't want to take that road. No, no, come back over here. Lord says, I'm the one direct. You want me to drive or not? Do you want me to map out your life? Do you want me to, do you want me to set the course? Do you want me to direct your path or not? Because I'd love to if you'd let me. But you've got to take your hands off the steering wheel. In all thy ways acknowledge him, yield to him, trust him, know that he knows what's best. Been a lot of things happened to me in my life I would have never allowed to happen to me if I'd have been in charge. If I'd have woke up that morning and I'd have seen God's to-do list for me, I'd have scratched out some of it. No, we're not doing that. I'm not meeting with her, I'm not talking to him. I'm not going to have that meeting, and we're not going to have, uh-uh, Lord, we're going to, I'm, not, I'm not going to allow my life to take that, that direction. But he's the one in charge. I'm asking you this morning, 
You say you trust him, do you really? Do you really trust him to chart your path? We spend a lot of time arguing with God when we should spend that time just obeying him. Waste a lot of energy arguing with him, debating him, second guessing him. If we do our part, he will do his part. He shall direct thy paths. I want God to direct my path. I want to be on the path that God has for me. I don't want to be on my own path. Brother David Young and I were talking this week, or say, came up, he preached revival, did a phenomenal job preaching in the school. If you missed any of those messages, you can go back on Facebook and listen to them. He preached his heart out, preached here Wednesday night. Great message, by the way. If you missed that, you need to go listen to that message on Wednesday night out of Daniel chapter number one. I saw things I'd never seen before. But he and I talked about how that God directed our life. When both of us was in Bible college, we had never in our wildest dreams known what God would have done with us. We were in Bible college together, sitting beside one another, doing our, doing our lessons and in the car, in the truck, driving home from work every day because we had our own business and we worked together. We was together. I was with him more than I was with my wife. We was together every day, all day long in construction and business and then in Bible college every night, learning Bible verses and asking each other test questions and exam questions. We'd have never known going down the road in a pickup truck what God had in store for our, both of our lives 25 years later. We'd have right. never, never known. 20 years later, never known. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have mapped it out if you'd have stuck a gun to my head. But I didn't have to. I let God do it. And he's fully capable. And you've got a choice this morning. Are you going to lean on your own understanding or are you going to trust in the Lord? Because that's pretty much the bottom line right there. You trust in him or you trust in yourself. And we've gotten it wrong so many times. We've messed up so many times. We've fallen short so many times. We keep trusting and leaning on ourselves when we could be trusting in the one that has never, ever, ever failed. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I wonder, would there be someone, say, Pastor Shefflin, I'm going to just, I need to get in that altar and pray a little bit. I've been guilty of leaning on my own understanding. Musicians are coming. As we stand all over the building, give you an opportunity to be able to slip out from your seat and kneel on this altar, join these across the front. There may be somebody here today say, Pastor Shefflin, I'm not sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven. I hope I would, I think I would, but I don't know for sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven and I need you to pray for me. You talk about trusting in God, I've never even trusted him with my, my never dying soul, I've never trusted in him for my eternal salvation. I need you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me this morning. Is there anybody that will slip your hand up and say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me.